0: I, I just love this right here. I love this stuff. We need to bring this back uh, in our land. This is a word from the Lord in Philippians chapter three. Let me ask you this. Do you have anybody in your life that has influenced you? Not, not Jesus. I'm talking about people. Do you have any people in your life that have influenced you and helped you? Yes, sir. All right, we're going to look at that tonight. How many of you have been an influence in somebody's life? Everybody in here, raise your hand. Everybody is an influence one way or the other. We're going to talk about influencers tonight. Uh, The Bible uses the word patterns. You can call it role model, pattern, influencer, whatever you want to call it. One verse tonight, Philippians chapter three from the word of the Lord says this, verse 17 of Philippians three, brethren, join in following my example and note those or make a note of those who walk as you have us for a pattern. You know what a pattern is? Sometimes when I'm doing furniture or making things in the wood shop, uh, instead of just freewheeling it, I'll take a pattern. I'll either take a picture of what I want to do, or I'll take a drawn pattern, a paper pattern, and I'll, I'll get what I want by staring at that pattern. That's a pattern. Uh, you know, my mama, year, back years ago, I think women did this. They made their own dresses. I can remember mama laying the cloth out on the table and put a pattern over it. And then she'd cut that McCall's pattern, you know, up with the dress there. Patterns are something that we go by. All right, tell me what the Bible says right there. The Bible says you have us for a pattern. Wait a minute. I thought Jesus was my pattern. Why does the Bible say you have me for a pattern? And why did he say in verse 17, follow my example? Why didn't he say follow Jesus? Why did he say follow my example? And he told you to do something there. What did he tell you to do? Note. Make a note of people who are like me because God's given them to you. You know what this means? Make a note, get your notebook. <clears throat> Find these people that qualify and then you take your pen and you follow these people around you make notes on their life and you watch their lives and you make notes about their lives because they are a pattern for you. All right, let, listen, um, let, me, let me mention this to you. <clears throat> How important are patterns in our heavenly father's economy and plan to help people? Very important. Now, who's the number one pattern above all? This is pretty easy. Okay, Jesus. Jesus said in John 13, I have given you an example. Do what you see me do. John 13, it said that. But let me ask you a question. Why does the Bible have so, why does the Bible open the lives of people so wide open? Why didn't it just mention their names and go on? The Bible is a book of patterns of people. Do what this one did. Do not do what this one did right here. I've right, now listen. What does the Bible teach me in verse 17? God wants people in your life. He wants you to find people and you got to look for them. That's why it says, make a note of them. Find people that are like this, make a note of them. And God's going to use them to shape your life as a pattern. And then you're going to see something else in this passage too, that he does for all of us. All right. So patterns are, patterns are just a big part. I've heard, I heard this as a young man and I believe it's true. Most of what we do is caught more than it's taught. Most boys are shaped by living, growing up with their fathers. They're a pattern. Most girls, I've, 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 told, I've told people for years, if you want to know what you're going to be married to someday, go look at her mama. <laughs> now, I scared the spit out of a few folks like that. It doesn't, I'm, there are exceptions to the rule. But that's the, what, listen, we learn how to live by, peop, by being around people and people become patterns to us. This is in God's economy. This is his plan for us to be shaped like this. And it's very important that we do this. I'm gonna give you something tonight. I'm gonna give you three people everybody needs in their lives from scripture. And you need these type people in your life. And every one of you, now what the Bible, listen, Paul wrote this to this church, but it's God saying it to me and you. What do you tell me to do in here? And I've done this. What do you say to do? He said, I want you to note, find these people, watch them and let them help you live. And I'm going to give you three people that everybody needs in their lives, according to Scripture. Number one, everybody needs a Paul in their lives. And this, you know, we see this in Scripture often. That he was the older. He was the example. And he, what did he say right here? He said in this passage, he said, watch me. How many of you would like to stand up in front of your kids or, or your, the people you work with and say, hey, y'all watch me? What did he say in that verse right there? He said, make a note. He said, I... Join following what my example, he just said to the people, y'all watch me, just watch me and I'll be an example to help you live. He said, man, I don't want nobody doing that to me. Hang on a minute. God gives you people to do this. That's why it's in the Bible and everybody needs a Paul in their lives. Then this would be somebody that generally is older than you or they're older in the faith than you. They might be your age, but they've been in the faith a long time. And obviously these would be people that you look up to. I want to, let's go a little further. With this thing, turn to me to first Corinthians chapter four. I want you to see something. To some of you, this might be new that the Bible would tell you to watch people. Why don't you say, why don't we just stare at Jesus? Listen, there's a lot in the scriptures about you watching people and letting people be an example to you. First Corinthians <clears throat> chapter four, verse 15. Look at this verse right here. First Corinthians 4, 15. Though you might have 10,000 teachers in Christ, you don't have many fathers. In Jesus, I birthed you into the gospel. Verse 16. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. What did he say? He said, I, listen, I'm, I brought you to Jesus. And he said, I, what does urge mean? I want you to watch my life. I want you to imitate me. Turn a few pages to the right, to chapter 11. Now here, here's the real, here's the secret of pattern. Chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 11, one says this, imitate me, there he says it again, just as I what? I imitate Christ. You ever heard this? You're the only Bible some people will ever read. What's 1 Corinthians 11 one say? Watch my life. You do what I do because I'm going to try to watch Jesus and do what he does. How many of you remember a group years ago named Phillips, Craig and Dean? singing a group from years ago. We wrote one of the greatest songs. And it said, it was talking about a man that wanted to be an influence for his son. He said, I want to be just like you because he just wants to be just like me. Let me be a living example for his innocent eyes to see. What did the Bible say right there. Y'all watch me. I'm going to watch Jesus and you watch me. So can you see the scripture teaches that we reflect Jesus in the earth? And uh, you say, well, boy, we should point people to Jesus. Why does the Bible say point people to yourself? Why does the Bible say, so, why do He say, look, you just imitate me, watch me. All right. And you need people like this in your lives. How many of you have a Paul in your life? How many of you have somebody older in the faith, maybe older in years that you can look up to and uh, you, you can ask this question, what would they do? How do they handle this? How would they respond to this? What did the Bible say to you and men, Philippians? Find these people, make a note of them and watch their lives to help you live your life. All right, I want to give you something from scripture here. This is, listen, I've done this. I did this as a young man and I've done this for years. I think this is very important that we pick out people that we can watch and say, that's what I want to be like right there. Uh, examples, role models, whatever you want to call them. I want to give you four things you need to do when you're, and you need to pick your patterns. Is that not what he said to us in Philippians 3:17? Note these people as a pattern. When you pick your patterns, you want to look for four things in people. Are you ready? Number one, this is big number one. This is always number one. It'll always be number one. I don't care what the culture is saying. You need to pick out your patterns. Number one, you're looking for their character. Character is the issue. You want to find people who have got character more than anything else. Character is the number one issue. I don't know if you've ever seen this or not. But when God Almighty in His Word wrote about people that should be leaders, and this is in 1 Timothy, it's also in the book of Titus, when He said, Let these people be the leaders. Here's the qualification for leaders. And He lists about 10, 12, 15 things. Not a one of them had to do with their personalities, not a thing in there about their gifts. Every issue in there deals with their character. And He said, Character is the most important thing. Matter of fact, I want you to listen to what He said. If a man wants to be a preacher, what's the first thing God says about him? he better treat his wife right. I thought he needed to know the Bible. I thought he needed to have an education. I thought he needed to be a great speaker, a funny guy. Why'd the Bible say, if a man must be a preacher, he better treat his wife right. He better know how to take care of his children. Why does it mention he shouldn't be a drunk? <laughs> take a wild guess. He better handle his money well. Now, demons, listen to me. We live in a culture that says character doesn't matter anymore. Character's the issue. Character is the big deal. I heard this as a young man. It is proven true in my 40 years in ministry. I'm going to tell it to you. Don't you ever forget it. Your gifts will get you there. Only your character can keep you there. Your talents can build things. Your talents will get you there. Only your character will keep you there. You can have opportunities open to you that will get you something, but only your character can keep it for you once you've got it. You you can work hard and and build a family or build a business or build a church or what You can work hard, but you'll lose it if you don't have the character to keep it. Your gifts and talents and and hard work and opportunities, they'll get you something, but only character can keep it for you. Character is the foundation of everything we build on. That's why it is so important to note those and recognize it that, boy, I'm looking for character. That's the one thing I want. Let me tell you something. In this Bible, it teaches you and me. I don't want to just start. What did this man who wrote this book, what he say? I don't want to just start doing something. He said, I want, listen to this. He said, I want to finish my course with joy. That's why he said it's character that gets you there. Demons, how many people do I know that God blessed them so much of great families, and they were gifted, they had good education, yada yada, but they blew their families up because their character collapsed. And we're living in a day right now. It just happens to be right now that in America, where ministries are collapsing because God blessed people, but their character couldn't handle the blessing. I'm going to say it again and again. You got to look for character in people. And when it's all said and done, that's the bottom line. Listen to what this man, Paul writing, he said this. He said, he said, watch me. And then he said, I want to finish this thing. I don't want to just start and then blow up. But in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, listen to what he said. He said, I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. You know, listen, this was the greatest preacher in world history. When this man spoke, I mean, demons ran. Great things happened, but what did he say? My character is what'll help me finish. And if I don't have the, he said, I've got the gift, but if I don't have the character, I'll be disqualified one day. Then listen to me. You find you some people that have, now listen, I'm not talking about grouchy, stodgy old folks. <laughs> I'm talking about character with a smile, but you need to find people who, buddy, right is right, wrong is wrong. I'm gonna follow Jesus. I don't have time. I'm not gonna live on the river bank lest I fall in it. I'm gonna go another way through the woods. Find you some people who've got sterling character. Did I say perfect? There's only one perfect model. But there's a big difference between having character and being perfect. And we want to find folks with character. Because you find you folks that are like it. All right, number one, let's, I'm going to say it again. Number one, you need to model your life after people who have character. I don't care if they've made mistakes. and You can make mistakes and repent and get up and go on. Amen. Only reason any of us is here is here. Right. But then you've got to be square about the thing and you've got to be honest. Number two, you want to model your life. Find you some people who have vision people that have got vision. You know what I mean by vision? These are people that want to accomplish something in life. These are people who have, they have a passion in life to fulfill their destiny. And it doesn't matter whether they're supposed to build a great ministry, a great business, or they are passionate about raising three children great. I mean, they just got a vision. And these are people who they want to do something with their lives besides eat cheeseburgers and burp. These are people that listen to what my beloved brother Paul said in Philippians 3. We read this a few weeks ago. One thing I do. I want to lay hold of what that I want to lay hold of what Jesus laid hold of me. Dear ones, right, let me say this. I want you to listen to what I'm fixing to say here concerning character and vision. <clears throat> character without character without vision, you accomplish nothing. You can have great character and never do anything with your life. Folks say, well, I've never stolen anything, I don't lie, I don't, I don't run around on my wife. A wooden statue can do all that. Character without vision will never accomplish anything. Now, vision without character will blow everything up. We want both. Let me tell you what char- character is when you don't do something. Vision is when you do something. Jesus was not known for what he didn't do. Jesus, Pharisees were. Jesus was known for what he did. He was a man of vision. And you need to find people that they're not just dragging through life, waiting for it to be done. America has lost vision because life has become too easy. You want to find people, they want to change the world. Whether it's a whole country or one neighborhood or three children or a Sunday school class. Find people who want to accomplish and you tag on to those people. <clears throat> let, me, let, me say, let me say it this way. Find people who wake up. I didn't say woke. I mean people who wake up and live. You want to find people with vision, all righty? <clears throat> and do is listen, it's not about who's the biggest or who does the most. Let me tell you another great song written by a buddy of mine with a group called New Song years ago. And in the song said this, light your world. Let the love of God shine through in the little things you do. And to listen to a line in this song. And though your light may be reaching only two or three, light your world. Some of the greatest people in the world are mamas who never had a job. They stayed home and raised three or four or five kids and they turned out great kids. That's a vision. You know, we got men that are, they they might be bus drivers, but boy, they have influenced their little world that God gave them to influence. Listen, people got to have character, but people have got to want to accomplish something in life. You were not, listen, God created us with a desire to accomplish and to do something with our lives besides just consume resources. God, this is good and you want people with vision and uh, find you some folks like that. All right, number three, you want to find people who have spirit life. I'm going to say it this way, fruit. You you want folks that have got character. You know, they're, they're they're not here today, gone tomorrow. They got character. They got vision. But let me tell you something. The Bible teaches very clearly you want people who've got spirit life. And I look for people with fruit in their lives. Jesus said this, he who abides in me bears much fruit. Now, fruit comes in two categories in the Bible. When I was looking for people, I was a young man. And I re- let me tell you what I realized. I realized that the people were teaching me, were not, I didn't want to be like them. I'm not being unkind. I just didn't want to do what they were doing. I wanted to find somebody that was headed where I was going. And I wanted to find somebody older than me that had done it, that I could say, that's what I want to be right there. That's what I want to do. And let me tell you what I was looking for. Number one, it had to be character. I didn't want to be one of those people that blow stuff up. But I wanted to find people who had life about them. I wanted to find people who had the love of Jesus in them. Unfortunately, I went to college, which is one of the worst things you can do to some people. And I went to college and what I found was a bunch of people who were theologically straight as a shotgun barrel and just as empty. I mean, it was just dead. It was just, it was lifeless. They didn't want to do anything. They just wanted to sit around and discuss Jeroboam and Rehoboam and all the Boam boys. I thought, what is this? You look for people that have got fruit. Listen, look for people who've got the love of God in them. Look for people who've got the joy of Jesus in them. Look for people who've got the peace of God on them. They're not blowing something up all the time. You know the list I'm going down, Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit, what you'll see on the outside if Jesus is on the inside, number four, look for people that are patient. They're in it for the long haul. Number five is the one we've lost in this land. Look for people that are kind to other people. They're not the center of the universe. They care about other people. And on and on, look for that. And listen to me. All right, I'm going to get real deep right here. When you're looking for somebody to model your life after, if you want to learn how to play golf, don't call me. I'm dangerous. I mean, some guys at my church tried to take me to play golf and they finally, they said, well, let's go fishing. (laughs) Don't call me if you want to learn how to play golf. You want to learn how to do brain surgery? Don't call me. But listen, I love you. I care about you. I'm wide open to whatever I do. I'll cut you, but you'll die. You know what my point is here? Find people that have accomplished something. Find people that can do it. If you want to learn how to play golf, call Tiger Woods. If you want to learn how to cut heads open, call Dr. Greenhood. My goodness. Find people who have done something and tag your life. I'm not talking about superstars on the internet. I'm talking about the star next door. The start your dining room table. I'm talking about the star in the school where you go at. But find people that have got fruit in their lives. They've done it. I've never understood. God, I probably shouldn't say this. Do you ever heard this before? Those who can't teach. You ever heard that? That's a famous old saying. If you can't do it, just go teach other people how to do it. Does that make a lick of sense to you? Learn from people who have done it. All right, that's why you need somebody a little bit older. All right, you want you look at, to look at their lives and uh, look for life in people. Look for people that are resilient. <clears throat> all right, that, listen to those three. I want to look for people that have got great character. Number two, I want to look for people that have a vision. They want to do more with life than just show up. And I want people that I can see God in them. That's fruit. I see spirit life in them. I can see the hand of God on their lives. Now, all of those three can cover all of us, but number four is where we all split out. And this is the fourth and there are four of them. Number four is where we all split out. All the numbers one through three apply to everybody, but number four is where we split out. Number four is this. Find somebody who is excellent in your particular field. And you know that this this will be different for different ones of us. Find somebody that's great in your particular field. For instance, if you're gonna be a teacher, you need to find you some teacher somewhere that has changed the world and went above and beyond the call of duty. You need to find a great teacher that loves God, cares for her students or his students. They've excelled in it. They've done great. They got a track record. Find somebody in your field that, you know, I mean, they do what you want to do. For instance, for me, I wanted to be a preacher. I'm going to be a minister. So I sought out people in the ministry who had done great things. And uh, I'm I'm not being unkind to anybody, but why would you tag yourself onto somebody who's never done anything? Let me tell you why you ought to find people that have done great things. They will push you and show you this can be done. When you see somebody that's a, you know, whatever you do and you look at somebody that's great at it instead of just saying, well, I'll be average. You look at people like that. Let me, let me tell you what the Bible says about this. Iron sharpens iron. People that are good at what they do, they'll push you to be the best you can be. And you want to find people, I don't care what your field is, find people that are going to do what you want to do or what you long to do and let them sharpen you toward that. For instance, if, if, I, if I were a businessman, uh, I'd, I'd go find, a, I'd find a fellow like Frank Harrison. Frank is the chairman of Coca-Cola. He's been here to speak before. And he He has got the number one brand on the entire globe. There's no name. And I mean, that's literally the truth. There's no name on the globe known like the name Coca-Cola. He's got to know what he's doing. I mean, he didn't start it, but But let me tell you something. Frank is a man of great character. He's a godly man. And as he says, I just bottle this sugar water to help people everywhere. I mean, to do mission work. Find you a great businessman who's got the traits that you're looking for. Uh, if, if you go, if you say you love athlete, you 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 want to be a sports star, you want to be an athlete or whatever. There's plenty of opportunities to pick the wrong field, wrong people in that line of work. <clears throat> you follow J.J. Watts. You find somebody like that that's got great character. He's changing his community. He's great at what he does. Number one defensive player in the NFL for three years. I'd ought to qualify somebody there but his character is so great. Find you somebody like that. If you want to be a carpenter, you find the best carpenter you can find. Let me tell you what I did when I was first starting out years ago. I found the best ministers I could find and I called and said, can I come sit and talk to you? And I'll pay you if you want me to. Of course, they was making big money. I didn't have none. They were all nice enough not to take my money. And I drove for hours to go sit and just said, just talk to me. Just tell me something. Find people who are going where you are and tag, that's what he said, note them. Use them as a pattern. Find these folks. Tie on to them. Let me issue a word of warning here. If you're in the arts, music, dance, theater, whatever, be very careful about who you pattern after. Let me say this again. Character. Character first. Find you. Listen, I don't care how great they are. Character's got to come first. That's right. I'm going to keep throwing that in until we get it. All right, I saved the biggest one for last. I saved the biggest one for last. If you want to do this, If you want to accomplish the greatest thing anybody's ever accomplished, if you want to be a godly father, you find people who have done it and learn everything you can from them. If you want to be a great mother, let me tell you something. I don't care if you become president of the United States, there's no greater calling than for you to take care of your family. Find people who've done family great. Look at the results of what they did with their families. And what does it say? Note these people. They are a pattern for you. Find out why this man's kids love him. Find out why this lady's kids have done so good. If you see a great marriage, study it. Ask people, so what, what it is? I mean, go find, ask Bob Dyer. Can I have 10 minutes? How have you and her been kissing for 72 years now? 72 years. And still enjoying it. I mean, at that age, you ain't got no teeth. You're just gumming, but you still enjoy it. <laughs> Find people who have done it great and pattern your life after them. And I want to say again, there's no higher calling than family, man. We're, we're sort of learning the hard way there. All right. So th- th- listen, those are the four traits. You look for people who've got great character because I don't have, we're, we're living in a day to day where people have done great things and now we're watching them fall like flies because they didn't have the character to carry it. Great character. Look for people who want to do something with their lives. You look for people who've got the touch of God on their lives, the fruit of God's in their lives, the love and the joy, and then find people who have done great in what it is you want to do, you know, whatever field it's in, you're in. Now, let me tell you about some people that God, I've been so blessed with patterns all my life and, and I saw this as a young man. And if you just go to, and I'm not knocking school, I'm really not knocking school tonight, but school sets its standard at mediocrity. I know some great folks, but listen, if you want to be a surgeon, go after Ben Carson. I mean, go after the people that have been great at what they do. And I knew as a young man, I want to find people that have just done this great. I need people to influence me because I saw in scriptures as a young man, how you are far more uh, shaped by your influencers than you are even the Bible sometimes. The Bible teaches me right from wrong. It teaches me theology, but men have taught me how to do it. By watching Jesus in them. And the scripture says, imitate him. Let me tell you some men, I'm not going to mention their names, but let me just tell you about some men that God, I've just been so blessed in this area. As a matter of fact, I feel bad. I should have done a whole lot more with my life considering all the great patterns I've had in it. But let me tell you about some, let me just mention the first one. Billy Graham's the first pattern I ever had. Because I grew up, I, can't, I was a young man, got saved in there, where he was, and it wasn't his, his success. Two things about Billy Graham so influenced me. Number one was his character. All those years of absolute sterling character. The other was his singular vision. He said, I'm gonna do one thing with my life. Now, we didn't match because I'm a pastor, he's an evangelist. And I couldn't, I'm not called to be an evangelist, but you know what? I heard him say no few times, I'd like to do that, but God's called me to do one thing and I'm gonna do it. What did Philippians 3 say? One thing. And his singular vision. There was another man, he was an older minister he had such an influence on me. I'm not going to tell you the names. He had such an influence on me because he taught me, you can trust the Bible to love the Bible and to put faith in the Bible and to actually believe what it says. And he taught me faith in the Bible and how to, how to put that faith into your life and know I can, I can prop everything I got up on this book. Well, see, I could have re- I did read that in the Bible because he showed it to me, but I watched him live it out. A living example is an open Bible. It's a walking Bible is what it is. That man influenced me greatly because he taught me, you can trust this book. And when people laugh at you, don't even look over there. You just keep trusting this book and go on. And over time, it will hold up under the pressure. Praise God it has. There was another man, and uh, this is where I get in trouble sometimes. And he taught me about passion. And he, he taught me, he said, listen, don't slow down. What he, he said, 100% or get under the porch. or get under the porch and be passionate about what you do. He said, don't drag through life. And he just taught me by example uh, about doing the best you can do at everything. 100%. uh, I know I have a little bit of neurotic tendency. I confess that. I know perfectionism will get me once in a while. But dear ones, better to overshoot the moon than be sitting on the landing pad when Jesus gets back. God, that's good. And he just taught me, wake up and go, son. Get the show on the road. Let's do it big time. Let me mention another man. He was not a minister. He was the, when I got saved, I was, I was in the summer after I was in high school. I took one year off between high school and college just to learn the Bible. And I was in a college uh, youth crowd, had a little ministry the guy put together. He wasn't a preacher. He didn't even know the Bible that well, but he was great at what he did. And you know what he taught me? People are important and this is how you handle people. People skills are the greatest need of your life. Since dealing with people is the number one thing we all do. You might be a pharmacist, a bus driver, whatever you are, but we're all in the people business. And life is the people business. And he taught me how to handle people. Some things I'm still learning, but he taught me how to deal with people and how to love people and how to care about people. And I picked that up. Let me mention another guy to you. There was a fellow that I just met him and he was really a weird, weird guy. He was really weird. He did not fit the mold. How many of you know the mold is not always to be fitted into? I remember a great preacher who didn't fit the mold at all It got him killed. His name was Jesus. You don't have to always fit in the mold. But I met this guy and he was so out of the box and out of the mold. And I was scared of him to start with. But you know what I saw? I saw the touch of God on his life. And I saw that underneath all that craziness, he's really normal. And we became friends. We moved near him. We started, well, his name's Ken Helzer. We started hanging around together. I'm in trouble and I should have said his name. But he was so out of the box, but I saw God's hand on him. And uh, we would spend time together and we just, we just enjoyed each other. And he let me tell you what he taught me, creativity. Quit doing it the way it's always been done. Try something new, son. Get out of the box. Uh, I'm not quite as out of the box as he is, but I was talking to him not long ago and I said to him, you know something, I said, you've been such an influence to me. And he just looked at me strange and he said, I didn't know that. He said, I never tried to influence anybody. He said, I was just trying to follow Jesus best I could. What did it say? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. You don't have to go line folks up to watch you. You just chase Jesus, He'll line them up. Ken was one of those. Let me mention another guy. I was friends with his son, and I spent a lot of time in his house. He was a Christian, he was a manager of a big drug wholesale company. Spent a lot of time in his house, and I would just watch this guy because he really. He knew how to do family. And I knew even as a young man, family is the most important thing you'll ever do. And I just watched him and I watched the way he treated his wife. I watched the way he treated his kids. And let me, there was two things I want you, two things I learned from him. Number one, do not budge. Right is right, wrong is wrong. And when your kids get out of line, pull them back in line and show them no mercy. Oh, dear ones, trying to make Hollywood happy and raise children is getting us killed today. And he was one of them guys, right is right and wrong is wrong. But let me tell you something, he laughed all the time and he entertained his kids and his kids adored him. And he just, I just watched him learn how to do family. Well, you know, I could have read a book on it, but you know what's easier than reading a book? Just watch somebody that knows how to do it. And I've had so many great, I could go on, but I've had so many great patterns in my life. And dear ones, what the Bible say? Find you something. He said, listen, he said, make a note of these people. God gave you them for a pattern. And he's put people in my life to pattern for me. Of course, I'm old now. And, uh, but you need to do that. Find out what you want to do. Find out what you want to be in life. Find out what great is and find the people who are doing it and pattern them. Learn from them. Number two, everybody needs some Pauls in their lives. Number two, everybody needs some Silas's in their life. Of course, I'm using my blood brother Paul here. You need a Silas in your life. Now, you know who Silas was to Paul? He was his running buddy. And you can tell that these two guys, you need people in your life that are about your age and they're about your place in Jesus, your place in the faith. And they're your running buddies. And let me tell you what the Bible says about these people. I've already quoted it. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Now, I got people in my life that don't sharpen me. That's good. I don't need, everybody in my life shouldn't sharpen me, but you need a few people in your life that running with them is good for you they encourage you, they build you up. It'd be great if you could be married to one like this. I've never known you and your mate should be friends. Can I get a witness? My goodness. Marriage Marriage was not meant to be a competition. It was meant to be a completion. I will make a battle axe for him. No, I will make a help meet for him. You're to help him meet his God-given call. You're to help her be everything God created her to be. That's the reason we get married. If two of you fall down, one of you picked the other up. My wife's tired of picking me up, but you can do it. You need people, listen, pray God put this person in your life that sharpens you. They're about your age, they're about where you are in life and you just, you are a better person because you're around them. They are a pattern for you. I got guys like that in my life and, and they, they're just such a blessing and you need to be one of those. And then number three, let me tell you what you need in your life. Everybody needs Timothys in their life. Now who was Timothy. He was the son in the faith to Paul. And he was the young man that this man, this is who he wrote to and said, you do what I do. I'll be an example for you. You need people in your life that are watching you. My dear friend Charles Barkley, I remember when he was asked about being a role model, he said, I ain't going to be nobody's role model. I just want to play basketball. Dear ones, God wants you to be a role model for people. He wants you to be a pattern for people, and you need Timothy's in your life that, are, that they can watch you and and to pattern you and to model you. Now, <clears throat> I right, I want to show you. I said, brother Brian, I really don't know how to do that. Yes, you do. Let me show you. Turn with me to the verse on patterning for younger people. First Timothy, and again, this is Timothy is the younger guy. First Timothy four is where that verse is. I saw this as a young man, and I said, man, we're gonna do this. All right, First Timothy four, and. Um, if you're an older brother or an older sister, your younger siblings, you need to be a pattern for them. If you're a parent, obviously you should be a pattern for your children. Uh, you know, any, we, I just need some people to step up and say, okay, I'll lead the way. I need people to say what this Bible says imitate me, because I'm going to imitate Jesus. I need for some people to be an example to the believers, as the scripture said. Look at me in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 12, watch this. Let no one despise your youth. I don't have much trouble with that anymore. You know what he's saying right there? You're never too young to start. Watch this. Be an example to the believers. What did God just tell you right there? I love the old King. Old King James says this. Be thou, be you an example to the believers. Now I've had folks say, you know, Brother Brown, I'm, I'm not the greatest Christian in the world. You're going you gonna to rewrite the Bible because you've got a problem? Everybody look right here. You don't have to be perfect. You have to be sincere. You don't have to be. There's never been but one perfect model on this planet. Why did the Father tell you in that verse? You be an example to the believers. You be an example to them. Now, here's, it doesn't mean be religious. Here's what it means. And He defines it right here. Verse 12 be an example to the believers in word. The way you talk should be exemplary. A fellow told me one time after being with Him for 10 years, He said, I have never heard, He said, I've heard you say some dumb things. I've heard you say some things you had to eat, but I have never heard you one time even come close to telling an off-color joke. And I said, pray God you never will. We need to be a people who are exemplary in our speech. And listen to me, listen to me carefully. It's not just about what you don't say. I can tape your mouth shut and you'll never screw up. Be an example in speech. Listen to this, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but such a word is as good for building people up. That it might impart grace to the hearers. That's Ephesians 4, 29 or 27. It's somewhere in the neighborhood, drive around there. Ephesians 4, I know that. We need to be a people who learn how to speak as patterns. Encouragement and hope life and life. And we need to be a people who give an example of this is a good time not to talk. God, that's good. Remember, there's too much talking going on in this land that's wrong and there's not enough building up going on. He said, be an example. And do you notice how he started? If you're going to be an example, where does it start? It starts with your mouth. Let it be an example with the way you talk. Listen, I don't want my kids to ever grow up around me in my home and go out of the house and talk in a way that's not good because they heard me say it. To this day, my children have never heard me talk ugly to their mother one time. Pray they never will. because they don't live there anymore now. But I don't ever want to be a person who, who damages in speech. I've done it a time or two. Am I the only one that's ever said something dumb? Let me tell you what integrity is. It's not to to never make a mistake. It's when you do go back and humble yourself and say, I'm sorry that was wrong. Will you forgive me? Pray for me to do better. Be an example in word. I, I just think we need to get back to this, especially in this generation today that has forgotten that speech is powerful. Verse 12, in conduct, there's your character again. You don't have to hoot it, just live it. In conduct, in what? What's the next one? It's the words agape and the love of God show people what it means to care about people. You just care about people and let your kids watch that. You just love people. Now, my my family, when I was growing up, we had some tough times financially because I had a brother who was sick all the time. He was stricken at two years old. It was financially, it was very difficult on our family and it was very tough on us. But I can remember no few times when people would help our family as we're going through those difficult days with my brother, and my daddy, he as soon as they'd leave, he'd pick it up, we'd get in the truck, he'd take it and give it to somebody else. I remember one Christmas in particular, I'm about 10 years old and the Hickory Grove Baptist Church brought a whole bar, a bunch of toys to the house. Said, you know, just here, we want to bless you with all them toys and they're in there talking. And I'm staring at the table, got all this. I think, God, God, Santa Claus has showed up early. I was so happy, thank y'all for coming. They left and my daddy said, get your coat and get in the truck. And I thought, no, you're not. Oh, no, you not. You're not. You... He loaded up every one of them toys. Took them to a family in the community that was far worse off than we were. And he said, he said, Merry Christmas from Hickory Grove Baptist Church. Get in the truck, boy. I got nothing out of it. Let me tell you something. That's one of the greatest lessons he ever taught me. To care about other people. And he never sat down and said to me one time, you should care about people. He just practiced it. And I watched that. Listen, what does the Bible say? Be an example in love in the way you care about people. Look at the fourth one. Be an example in spirit. Now notice, is that a little S? That's not talking about the Holy Spirit. That's talking about your spirit. And the better word would be passionate alive. Dear ones, there is a death that has come on America where people have just been there, done that, have a good and dragging through the day. The Bible said, you be an example to the believers in in spirit, the passion of life. Listen to what the Bible says. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. If you're a janitor, you mopped that floor. You mopped the fire out of it. You flinged that mop, dude. I pulled up to a place one time when I was driving a truck and the fellow said, I ain't loading you. You got dust in the truck. I could have called my boss and had him stick it in his ear. I smiled. I said, you show me a broom. Watch what happens. I mean, I looked like Broomhilder. I was smoke flying out the back of that thing. And he told me, he said, you're the first truck driver ever did that. There is we need to be an example in every, Do it with spirit. Do it passionately. If you're going to shoot for the moon, shoot over it. If you, whatever you do, act alive. That's an example to believer. All right. I, I could stay on that because that's one of my favorites right there. The scripture says this in faith. Listen to me. When everybody else is talking about how rotten times are and how bad it is and how terrible it is, you stand up and say, God's going to make a way. You speak faith and you believe that God's going to do what is. And listen, do it in front of people. Be thou an example to the believers. When you're going through tough times in your family, let your kids see you say, God will make a way. We can trust the Lord. One of the greatest, greatest examples I've heard. A man was talking about his mother. He said, she never said it, but I saw it. He said, every time we'd have a problem, said, mama disappear. And I went walking back through and I went in her bedroom one day and she was on her knees by the bed praying. He said, that spoke volumes to me and she never opened her mouth. That's an example of faith. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to know the Bible. But be an example to the believers. And then he mentions one more. Let's look at it. In verse 12, and he said this, in purity. Can I get a, can I get a witness for some purity coming back to this land? Dear ones, listen. Either live it clean or knock it out, but break with this in between stuff. We need to be a people who say that that's not honorable and I'm not going to live like that. And I've made up my mind. I've decided to follow Jesus. If nobody goes with me, I'm going there. And we need to be a people who are passionate about that stuff. I, I, uh, dear ones, where are my children? Of course, my children are grown now. My grandchildren, please. My grandchildren one day. Where are our children going to learn how to live from? Watching MTV. Watching Miley Cyrus? She needs to pull her tongue in before it dries out. Where are are our children going to learn how to live at? Guess where they're going to learn it from? I learned it on TV when I was a kid. Andy Griffith, Pinocchio, tell a lie your nose grows. TV talk character. Where are they going to learn it today? They're going to learn it at their dinner table. They're going to learn it at their church. They're going to learn it by watching people. They're going to learn it by watching people live that stuff. So the Bible says you need to have Timothy's. And you let people watch you. You need to let, there needs to be Timothys in your life. Now, let me tell you, part of God's economy is to put people in your life that can influence you and, and help this and it'll help you. But what's the other half of it? He's going to put you in people's lives. He wants you in other people's lives so you can help them too. Look with me at that. The, the passage on influence in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter five, turn over there to Matthew five. Let me show you what the scripture says about this. Some people are nervous about people watching them. Let me make an announcement. God put you in this earth so people could watch you. See if you don't see that in this passage right here. See if you've ever read this before. Matthew five fourteen. Jesus said this, you are not, you should be, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. And he said this, a city set on a hill can't be hidden. Nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a basket but on a lampstand so it can give light to people who are in the house. Listen, God didn't save you and put His Holy Spirit inside of you to stick you in a barn in Idaho. God saved you and put His Spirit in you. What does it mean, put on a lampstand? He has placed you strategically where you're at so people could watch you. Isn't that what it says? He placed you strategically to give light to who? You don't, listen, I don't give light to Jesus. Jesus ain't never said, boy, Brother Brian's really changed my life. (laughs) That's not how it works. He placed you there to give light to people so people could watch you. Now, I want you to read this great verse with me. Read verse 16. Let your life so shine in front of people. Let your light so shine before men so they can do what? What does it say? Watch you, see you, and it influenced their lives. This is the Beatitudes. This is the heart of the teaching of Jesus. Now he's put people in my life that can be an example to me and an encouragement to me, but he he wants to put you somewhere to be an example to people and to be an encouragement to people. Listen, Listen, don't be nervous about it. Say, amen. By the grace of God, we can do this. I might make mistakes, but I will get up and apologize. And I want to be used of Jesus. You don't need to preach to people. I mean, I do. <laughs> you don't need to fuss at people. Heavens knows you don't need to fuss at people. Shine, Doc. What does it say? Just shine. Just stand there and be Jesus in front of people and say, and just go to work tomorrow and get up on the table and say, can I have y'all's attention, please? Everybody watch me for a while. <laughs> you don't really need to do that. Listen, you don't have to advertise what's there. You just do it in front of your family, do it in front of the people around you. Let your light shine before men so that they'll glorify God. Now, let let me say this before we've got to quit here. This is a great calling. All right. Do you understand what a gift this is? Do you know what a gift this is from the father? Two gifts, twofold gifts number here. Do you know what a gift it is that he puts patterns in your lives? How many of you have been influenced by people through your days? Think about all the people that have influenced you, the people that have touched your life. Now, dear ones, I've got the Bible, which is a perfect book. I think I could have made it with the Bible, but I've made it a whole lot better by having patterns in my life that I could watch and learn from. Having people that I could watch both ways. I've learned from a lot of people what not to do. But I want to make an announcement. You don't have to be perfect to be a pattern. I can take, listen to what I'm fixing to say. I can take every major player in the Bible and show you faults and failures in their lives except one. And it's not Jesus. Of course, Jesus is perfect. Who's the only major player in the Bible you can't find anything negative about? Name him. Daniel. Daniel is the only major player in the Bible you can't find some fault in. Which what's the message there to me and you? You don't have to be perfect. You just have to want to help. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to love Jesus and be sincere. Now, you know, you had Mary, Joseph, people like that, but they're not considered the major players in the Bible. Man, when I see that God Almighty chose Simon to be an example and to be used with him, I go, praise God, we can do this. Hallelujah, we can do this. Now, when I look at some people, I think, Who? I'm about ninth class compared to that. Listen, one of the greatest jokes heaven ever played was to marry me to my wife. And I got to stand beside somebody like that. I really need some distance between me and her because she... She's never even burped in her life. She's never done anything wrong. Step way, well, She did make one major mistake when she got married. Outside of that, but there, listen, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be great. I've made mistakes. Listen, my kids love me dearly. It is such a blessing to have patterns in your life. And I remember years ago, a fellow said to me, he was just a young fellow, and he, I was discipling him, and, and we just had the best time. And he came to me and he said, "Let me tell you what I do." He said, I know I'm supposed to look in the Bible, but he said, a lot of times when I get in a situation, I don't know what to do. He said, I just asked myself, what would Brian do in a case like this? And I remember saying, amen, I think. <laughs> don't hesitate. What did the Bible say? He said, imitate me. Now, I hope he doesn't imitate everything, but don't you know that's such a blessing to be able to just sort of influence folks a little bit? It's a great blessing when God puts people in your life that can encourage you like that, let me tell you the other great, great gift It's a great blessing is, uh, is when you can be a pattern. There's what we gotta, in America, we got this thing where we don't want anybody watching us. You are the light of the world. You're it, Doc. Somebody has got to step up to the plate and say, Jesus works. I'm not perfect. He's perfect, but Jesus works. You know, when Jay and Christy Dawson, they started living free, they went down and spent, I think it was a year, spent a long period of time with Mickey and uh, Laura Mae Evans, who were just such models of how to love people and work recovery. And I know they got books. I know they studied. But I think a lot of what they started out doing, they picked it up by being around those people. Man, imagine having to start that thing without having a model to watch. And it is a blessing to have. I want you everybody, everybody do this. I want you to do this. You say, well, I'm old. It don't matter now. God don't stop till you're laying down here and I'm talking nice about you. It's never too old to learn. And you find you some people that are where you want to be and you watch them, study them. When I was a young preacher starting out, I called the pastor of the largest church in the state, fastest growing church in the state. And I just said, can I come talk to you? I said, I want to go with you out witnessing one night. When you go on visitation, I want to go with you and just watch how you do it. He said, come on down. So I drove two hours to Charlotte, went down there and he said, I'll tell you what, said, uh, we were getting ready. He said, let's just me and you go over and sit at the ice cream shop and we'll talk. And I said, even better. So we went over and we, he spent three or four hours with me that night, just talking about, don't do this, do this. Don't try to understand that. And he, he just told me, and you know, i I'd, I'd been in school for four years, but I picked up more that night watching him. And then he prayed with me, dear ones, find you some patterns. Find you some people. You may have been blessed to have parents that were like that, but find you some patterns. It's a great blessing. And then let me tell you something else. Make up your mind that you're going to be one. Make up your mind that you want the young people at your church to watch you. Amen. Make up your mind. You want the people you work with to see you. Not that you're perfect, but that you can influence people. Go ahead and do it. And, and listen, can I just let you in on something? They don't expect you to be perfect anyway. They expect you to be right and sincere and honest. I wanted to, I I knew as a young man, more important than anything you'll ever accomplish is family. I knew family was the big deal. And I was a little nervous about this because, you know, you can preach and then disappear after an hour. But you got to live with that family 24 7. Anybody can fake it for an hour. But I wanted my kids to be blessed. I wanted them to say, you know, my daddy loves God and he loves me and he cares about me. He's not perfect. And I made a lot of mistakes growing up. But let me tell you one of the things I did. Let me help you. One of the smart things I did. When I screwed up, I said it. Amen. I just told him, your daddy messed up. I remember one time me and my son were out working. We had the tractor. We were planting fence posts, I think, on the farm and peckering out there. And and we were both tired and he did something and I forget what he did. It's not important. And I got irritated and I said something sharp. And I I never wanted to speak sharp to my children. I don't mind speaking firm to them, but I never wanted to speak in the flesh sharp to them. And I said something sharp. I said, just go in the house. Boy, when I said that, it was like a spear went through my soul. And I knew you don't want to raise kids with a daddy that breaks their spirit. Don't be hard on them. That's why the Bible said, Fathers, train up your children and don't be so hard on them you break their spirit. Well you know what am I gonna do? I'm the daddy, I'll have my way. Is that what I'm gonna do? That's not Jesus. And I just said, I just went and put all the stuff up and said, I'm done for the day. Went in there and was in his bedroom and I walked in there and I said, listen, what I did was wrong. And I said, I'm sorry. The the issue of what happened with the tractor, that's not the issue. I'm sorry. I want you to forgive me. And of course he did. And uh, let me tell you something. If you'll just be honest and real with people. When you screw up, fess up. Tell them, don't fake it. Don't pretend you're perfect. When you mess up, and let me tell you something. Get up off the floor. And start over. And do the best you can. Everybody knows nobody's perfect except Jesus. But we need some people we can watch. Well, I've nominated all of you. I might just start telling people privately. Take my teenagers. Come here, come here, come here. Listen to me. See that guy right over there? Follow him around, do what he does. And now, what the Bible teaches? Then listen to me. Patterns are one of the greatest gifts God ever gave people. We have got to get back to it in our families and in our churches and in our land. And having patterns is such a gift. Now listen, find you some. Find you some. And if they're, if they're well known, get books and read about them. But I want you to also to be a pattern wherever you're at, in your neighborhood, in your house. I'm fixing to go deep here. You could even do this in your church. You could even do this in your church. Golly, let me look around here. There are patterns sitting in this room right here that just light me up. I mean, they just encourage me. When I, I'm not going to point them out But man, when we're worshiping and they just get so excited, I just think, yeah, that's good. People that just love God and live it out. I know they're not perfect, but they are patterns for us. Listen, I want you to step up to the plate and be one. Are you with me? All right, Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you. And thank you. Thank you that Father, you gave us the picture of the Father in the Son of God. Thank you that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father thank you, Father, that the Son of God is the greatest picture on this earth of what life is all about. And we want to model Jesus. We want to have the humility of Jesus, the holiness and the purity of Jesus, the passion of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the the risk-taking heart of Jesus. But I thank you that you also gave us people. Today, I'm just unusually grateful for the men that you put in my life through the way, through the years that they showed me this is what family's supposed to look like. They showed me this is what giving is supposed to look like. This is what integrity has got to be like. This is what wanting to do more than just coast through is like. And I thank you that I've been sharpened through the years by the people you put in my life. I praise you and thank you. Father, it's the most humbling thing in the world to think that you would tap people on the heart and say, watch him. Watch that guy right there watch what He does. Just the most humbling thing in the world to know that you would set us on a lampstand so the world could watch us. I think you got more confidence in me than I do. I praise you and thank you for the goodness of the Lord and what a joy it would be in our lives. Father, if I make a billion dollars, build a big business, yada, yada, win a race, who cares? But to know that somebody's life was better because they got to watch it in me. What a treasure for eternity that will be. I thank you and praise you. I pray for every person in this room. Two things I'm going to ask, sweet Lord Jesus. Number one, put people on their heart and say, watch them. Watch them people right there. Learn from them. Notice how they handle this. Let them encourage you. And number two, Lord Jesus, I pray for every person in this room. Let them be models. Let younger people look up to them. Let the people around them say, that's what I want right there. I trust you for that. Father, I'll never forget the day that a 46 year old man told me when I grow up, I want to be like you. Lord Jesus, grow him up at 46. But what an honor and a privilege to be able to have a little bit of influence in people's lives. All right, Father, now I want to pray for uh, the people that are not the stars. We think of sports stars, movie stars, preaching stars, Father, the greatest influence on this earth doesn't come through stars. It comes through moms and dads, co-workers, friends, neighbors, people we go to church with. Thank you that the greatest influencers are not those who are the social media influencers. They're the parents and the friends. They're the school teachers, the coaches, the youth workers, the ushers. They're the people that they don't even know they're being watched. But I pray you'd speak to their hearts and say, as Jesus said, in that day, the last will be first. The first will be last. The superstars will be unknown and the hidden stars will shine forever. And now I want to strive, I pay, I, one more thing. Father, can I do one more? I feel particularly impressed by your spirit to pray for parents tonight. Oh, for parents, I lift them up to you. There's sort of a running battle today between godly parents and academia, Hollywood, sports. But I thank you, let them all stack up on the other side against me. Give me Jesus. And if God be for us, who can be against us in raising our children? The greatest treasure on this earth is to love our kids and to pour our lives into them and to invest in them. I pray you'd strengthen the hands of parents in Jesus' name. And, or grandparents. I thank you that we never stop loving our kids. When we're 90 and they're 70, we'll still be hollering thank you for that. I thank you for your kindness. Thank you most of all for showing us the greatest picture ever on the cross of Jesus Christ. This is what love looks like. We give you all the praise and glory and I bless you in the strong name of Jesus and his precious name we pray. Amen.